Glory to God. Joshua in the Old Testament, book of Joshua, fifth book in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Let's go to chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, verse 8. I want to start a new little series, although it's, it's going to continue in the same vein of preaching on grace and righteousness and using our authority, all those great positive messages. And I want to begin uh, a, 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 a series called Good Success. Everyone say Good Success. Hallelujah. Good success. And this morning, the first, first installment in this message is going to have to do with purpose and goals. Purpose and goals. So with that in mind, uh, let's open up with Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This is God speaking to Joshua as he is taking over the leadership of Israel from Moses. And he's now going to lead the children of Israel out of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness across the Jordan River into the promised land where they're going to face uh, many entrenched enemies that the Lord's going to work through them with as they come up against these walled cities and these giants and these enemies. And uh, the Lord's going to lead them in victory as they come in and, and retake the land of their, of their ancient fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God has a plan and He speaks this word to Joshua as Joshua is about to put his foot on this path and, and this undertaking that is before him. And the Lord says and gives this instruction to Joshua, and he says, this book of the law, for us, let's say this word of God, the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this word, this book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Good success. Not all success is good success. Some people can be successful, but once they've arrived at their success, it's not as good as when they, when they first uh, uh, had, it in their, had it in their crosshairs and... and uh, Begin to reach out for it. But God says He wants us to have good success. How many of you believe today that as a child of God, God has a plan for your life, and as you pursue that plan, He wants you to have good success. Not just success, but good success. So, what is good success? How is good success different from other success? I would say that if you were taking a note and you wanted to define good success, I would simply say good success is good success is success that will honor, that God will honor. It's success that God will honor. Um, What does good success look like? Good success brings you to a good place. Good success leaves you in a good condition when you arrive there, when you, when you achieve your success, you're in a good place and you're in a good condition. Not everybody who achieves their goals is in a good condition once they get there. How many people have destroyed their lives, have ruined their health? By the time they're finally, quote, successful, 
They're so broken or they've lost the people that they love in the process of acquiring their goals that it doesn't matter anymore. That's not good success. That's not God's idea of good success. You, you don't want to spend your health chasing wealth only to have to spend your wealth to try to re-get, recapture your health. Does that make sense to anybody? Yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to change health. You don't want to chase health to get, you don't want to spend, spend your health chasing wealth only to have to spend your wealth to try to recapture your health. Okay, you get the idea. So, thank you, I know, that's a tongue twister. That's a brain twister, but you get the idea. Look, good success leaves you in a good place. It brings you to a good place. It leaves you in a good condition. The success that you're reaching for today, is it going to leave you in a good condition? Is it going to bring you to a good place? Uh, a couple of the things about good, uh, good success are that good success sets a good example. Some people are successful at crime. Some people are successful at things that you wouldn't want your children doing. Uh, they don't leave a good example. Not all success. And, and unfortunately... In the culture of man, in our society, we sometimes look up to people who are powerful and successful, but, but they're not a good example. They're not successful at things that God would honor. Amen? Uh, also, another thing about good success is good success credits good truths. Some people are successful but the principles they've used to become successful are not the kind of principles that are going to leave you, your soul, in a good condition. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So good success gives credit to good truths. They, it, it, um, it exemplifies the good truths of God's Word. So not every success is good success. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus asks this, Compelling question when he says, For what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. So think about it. Good success results in your soul being blessed as well as the soul of others. When you are successful in what the Bible calls good success, you're blessed in the end and so are other people. And so... Are the things that you are invested in going to lead you to blessing and are they going to bless others? Amen. Then that's good success. If not, you probably should think about your goals, whether they're really leading to good success. Um, I'd like to talk for a few minutes about vision. If you're going to have good success, you have to be a person of vision. How much of our time, energy, and resources actually ends up working against our success? If you have set a goal for yourself that God has put before you, how much of your time, how much of your money, your energy, your resources, as they are spent, actually take you away from that goal? How much of what you do actually fights against the progress that you want to make? I, I don't have the time to elaborate on that, but that's a thought 
worth thinking. It's worth thinking about. Um, Jesse Trimble has, besides his printing business, he has a business that helps people identify solid, godly goals in life and to achieve success. And on his, his website on Facebook, he's got all of these, these little fine-tuning um, uh, uh, statements of truth that are helped, that help you to, to be one that achieves good success. Would that, does that sound accurate, Jesse, to you? Sound about right? And, and he would tell you that vision is very important. And one of the reasons why it's important is because oftentimes we start heading towards good success and we allow ourselves to be diverted and our energies are being used, our money, our time, our resources being spent pursuing things that are either taking us away from our goals or just sending us off into left field and we have to go back and get on the right track if we want to pursue those goals that are going to achieve good success. So it's, it's worth thinking about how much of our resources, time, and energy are actually working against our success. So therefore, be careful. Be careful to invest your time, your energy, your resources in what ultimately matters to you and matters to God. Isaiah said it like this. I think it was in the 55th chapter of Isaiah. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And why do you labor for that which does not satisfy. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters, the living waters, and drink, hallelujah, that which satisfies. So, you know, we want to, uh, we want to we make sure that Monday through Saturday that we are putting ourselves into being successful in the thing God wants us to be successful at. Somebody suggested one time that you should spend 30% of your time living in the future. You should spend 30% of your time living in the future. Your thoughts focused ahead, focused on the future. Their rationale was that big ideas rarely reveal themselves when you're stuck in a reactive workflow. And you think about that, that's really true. When all of your labors and all of your work that, or at least the greater part of it, is simply responding and reacting to the immediate. You are you're rarely ever going to have a big idea or a real vision that's going to help move you forward. When your life is spent in a reactive workflow, you don't have time to have a vision or to look ahead. And, so and that is true. Now, I don't know if you should spend 30% of your time living in the future, but I like the principle and I think it's an important idea. I think it's a godly idea and I'd like to share with you a personal testimony about it because I think it's important if you're going to be successful to see the deathless infinite truth that is before us. Every day we deal with truths that are not meant to last truths that are only going to be true for a while. For example, when the trials of life come, they're like fires that flare up, but they're not going to last. Now, they may, they may be difficult, 
while they last. And they may last longer than we want them to or longer than they should. But the truth is they've come to pass. They haven't come to stay. We need to see the infinite deathless truths that never change. Everything the devil says is a lie. It's an adaptation of an infinite truth that he takes, he perverts it, he corrupts it, then he feeds it back to us, and we spend so much time responding to those things. Worry, anxiety, reacting. When you are spending all your time in a reactive workflow, Think about it, some of you people that are in business, some of you that have your own businesses. If you spend all of your time sweeping the floors and cleaning up spilled milk, you can't grow your business. It takes vision. It, it takes being able to, to put everything away and get before God and think and let God give you those big ideas that you can focus upon and then marshal your resources. Lord, show me how to move ahead. But you've got to put the broom aside and you've got to, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be sweeping stuff up or I'm not talking against labor this morning, but you understand that there's got to be a portion, a good portion of your mental focus that is, that is available to God to direct to a vision that's before you. I told you I'd like to share with you a little personal testimony. In 1975, before I entered the ministry full-time, I was driving over Interstate 275 in the downtown Tampa area, heading west back to Clearwater. I was coming up on the rise, and I was at a point where you could look just about and see Pinellas County across the bay. It was quite a vision. There's just, there was just a moment in the roadway where you could just sort of see it laid out in front of you. And uh, um, the Holy Spirit came upon me as I was driving and spoke to me just in a flash, in a second. It's one of those kind of God moments. And the Lord said, look beyond the horizon. And it's like he directed my vision out to the west. He said, look beyond the horizon. And then he just spoke some things to me that I would just consolidate by saying to you, that he was talking to me about my life and my ministry and said, if you keep your vision out beyond the horizon, I will bring you into what I have for you to do. Amen. I will cause you to fulfill the ministry I have, but you are going to have to look. And I thought, why was the Lord saying, look beyond the horizon? It's because God lives in the infinite reality that is not limited to the physical, even the horizon. Christopher Columbus looked to the horizon and he could see it, but he couldn't see beyond it. But in his mind, he saw a vision beyond the horizon. He believed that the earth was round. Although he couldn't see it, it was beyond the horizon. And that was an infinite truth that he was able to prove because he stepped out on it. But he had to, as they crossed that ocean... Um, and face difficulties, he had to keep that infinite reality in his mind when the natural realities around him were scaring he and his crew and giving them every reason to turn back or to turn aside. So you get what I'm talking about. The, the Lord was saying to me, focus on me. And if you could just visualize this, when the Lord said to me, focus on me, and he said, look beyond the horizon, 
He was strategically positioning himself in front of me, not beside me, not behind me, not standing in my circumstances, but way ahead of my circumstances. I saw my Heavenly Father, I saw Jesus beyond this world, way ahead of my circumstances, and I saw what I was supposed to be. I saw what God wanted me to do. I saw the me that God wanted to make me. There is a you that the Lord is developing. Let me say it like this. There is a you that grace is creating. And the Lord strategically placed that vision out ahead of me so I wouldn't look and become fixated on my physical circumstances and become stalled out and stagnated responding to all of these earthly elements that I would end up having to deal with. The Lord knows that you have to deal with all these things, but if your vision is constantly consumed with all of these natural things, they become the only place where you want to see God. I just want to see God healing this situation. I want to see God meeting this need. There's obviously nothing wrong with that. We just finished praying for people and preaching the fact that Jesus is the Lord that gets into our immediate circumstance. But if you're going to move with God, if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to have good success, you can't just look for God in the right here and now. If you want to be successful, you have to be a person of vision, which means there needs to be a purpose that is moving your life. You just can't flow along down the river of happenstance. You know what the river of happenstance is? You get in that stream and it just you float along and whatever happens, that's the stance you take. You understand what I'm saying to you? That if you're going to live for God, you have to live a deliberate life, not a happenstance life. And so that takes vision. The Lord didn't want my faith based in the status quo he didn't want me stuck in the here and now. He wanted me to fix my vision beyond the circumstance. Do you have a vision today where you see Jesus beyond all, every one of your immediate circumstances? Do you have a vision where you see the Lord? You see Him in His infinite reality and you see yourself as that daughter of God, as the Son of God, adopted in Jesus Christ, firmly planted in Him, in that infinite relationship that is not being limited by your physical circumstances. You need that to overcome the immediate. God does care about the immediate, but you overcome the immediate with the infinite. You have to see an infinite reality if you're going to be able to overcome the finite circumstances that threaten. So if you're going to have good success, I would say you need to envision goals that have a blessed purpose to them. Sometimes good success doesn't happen. Success might happen, but not good success because the goals are not based in a purpose that's blessed of God. If you are pursuing things that are not blessed of God, there's no, God has no intention of blessing that. It's not a blessed outcome. It's not going to be, and you know you can't make something that's not blessed, blessed. People throw that word around all the time, but it's either blessed because God is the author of it, or it's not. If God hasn't ordained it, it's not going to be blessed. 
Hallelujah. So you need to envision goals that have a blessed purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite verses says, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Now, he doesn't mean government welfare when he says, I know the plans I have for you. won't put you on welfare. Everything's going to be fine. That's not what he's saying. In fact, the, the Hebrew word welfare, when Jeremiah is prophesying, he says, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare. That word is shalom. The most used word in the Hebrew language, it is a huge word. When, when two Hebrews meet each other and they say shalom, they're not just saying, hey, how's it going? They're not just saying peace. It is involving peace, but it's more than that. The word shalom is the most powerful word in the ancient Hebrew language. It literally means completeness, health, peace, prosperity, safety, and well-being. Wow. God said, the plans that I have for you are plans for completeness, plans for health, plans for peace, plans for prosperity, plans for safety, plans for well-being. Those are the plans I have for you and to give you a future and a hope. So you need to look ahead. That's why I think that guy came up with that concept, we need to spend 30% of our brain power living in the future. You know, let the 60% deal with the reactive workflow, but reserve a third, reserve 30% of your brain power, your time, looking ahead, fixing it on completeness, health, peace, prosperity, safety, and well-being. That's God's will. Let it draw you out of your circumstances into the blessing of God. Can you say praise the Lord? So good success is based on God's good purpose, basically. And it takes grace vision to see the purposes that are truly good. Have you ever noticed that people that, that are not grace people, people that are, I do it myself, I, I don't need help from anyone. If I'm going to get anything in this life, I'm going to have to do it myself. We don't trust anyone else. It's just by the sweat of my own brow. You know where that came from? It's by the sweat of your own brow. By the way, before I say this, I want to say, I believe hard work is blessed. Work is blessed. Work vocation is a blessing from God. You know, God ordained work before the curse ever happened. He put Adam in the garden and said, tend it. Work it, tend it, work it. So that was not part of the curse. The curse was that you would work, but it would bring thorns and thistles. The work is you would work two and three times harder than you really need to, and even then the results would be minimal at best. So um, the, the, the fact is that, that God... Yeah, yeah, grace vision. There you go. I'm thinking, why did I start saying that? Grace vision is, is the opposite of people who say, I can, I can do it myself. So understand, I'm not saying that we shouldn't labor. We shouldn't work. Laziness is not a virtue. Laziness is not going to get you where God wants you to be. You've got to work with God. Be willing to work with Him. However, 
Let me say to you this. Have you ever noticed that people who lack grace, and it's all about I'll do it myself, it's my own strength, my own abilities, that they oftentimes can't see good things around them, even when they're right in front of them. They tend to be negative, they lack appreciation, they tend to be unthankful, they tend to have an, a, a certain amount of bitterness about them. And I'll give you an example. The man or the woman that says, um, listen, if I'm going to get anything in, the, in this life, I'm going to have to do it myself. Oftentimes in their fervor to, to achieve what they're trying to achieve and to have success. I'm going to have success because I'll make myself successful. They lose their wife. They lose their husband. They lose the relationship with their children. They alienate everyone around them. Because they're following, misguided as it may be, they are, they are pursuing this ideology that I've got to be successful to prove something when it's all over with. Who have you proved anything to? Who is it that you're trying to prove something to? See, the self, that the person who is self-reliant completely and not reliant upon God is not a grace vision. The grace vision person says, I intend to work. I intend to do my best. I'm going to do my part, but in all of my doing, I can never get where God wants me to go. I need the grace of God. I, ex I am looking for the blessing. The Bible says God has given us the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness so that we may reign in life. So the grace thinker, the grace vision, the person who is the grace vision or the grace seeing person is the person who sees God blessing the vision that he gives them, the, the, the uh, goals that he has set before them. I'm going to meet those goals and I'm going to exceed them because God's able to work in me and do exceedingly abundantly above all that I think or ask. I'm going to do it, the Lord and I working together, because God has blessed me. So you see, we're working with God, but he's blessing the outcome so that we achieve not only that goal, but far more. And that's how come he gets the glory and he shares it with you because you let him, you work with him and let him do it and he let you be part of it. And so he shares the glory with you. Hallelujah. And the joy of that glory is yours. So grace vision people tend to see good things. They can see the goodness. Whereas the person that's just totally self-reliant Sometimes by the time they figured out they had a good thing in their family, their family's gone. Because all they could ever think about was I've got to get money and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to, got to, got to, got to. And after a while, the, the family walked off. That wife has lost the husband that would have been supportive. The children don't want to have anything that they've grown up. They don't want to have anything to do with her anymore. There are so many people today that live with deep, deep regrets because they couldn't see what was good that was really going to matter in the end. They've now reached the end and they've got a, they have an empty success. That's not good success. Good success brings you to a good place and leaves you in a good condition when you get there. You've got your loved ones with you. You haven't lost your family in the process. Now some, you, some, we have to realize family is a collection of people. People have wills. You can't force them. But as far as it's on you, you've got good relations. So you, the thing is, grace vision people, they see what's good because they are appreciative. 
People of grace are people that really appreciate the good things, the things that are truly good, and they can see them. People that are self-reliant people, sometimes those good things are right under their nose. They just can't see them. They just can't see them. So they're not going to have good success. Hallelujah. You know, I give an example of this. Jesus pointed out what was good. Good stuff, good things. And yet, you, I can tell you that self-reliant people would never see this. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The self-reliant person says, are you crazy? It's more blessed to receive than to give. I'm working hard. I intend to get. I'm going to ball so that I could build a big house, so I could have my family in my house, or so that I could do this or achieve that. You know, the, the, that totally self-reliant person, however, does not see. God has good things, but they can't see them. One of the good things is the blessing of giving. One of the definitions of, of achieving good success is that uh, you bring other people along with you. You exemplify truths that are good, blessed truths. Other people are happy that you're successful. You know, some people become successful being politicians and everybody's sorry. Nobody's happy. Except certain people that they've, you know, paid off along the way or whatever. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Is that not everybody's success is enjoyed by others around. But when grace people become successful, most people around them are happy. And blessed. The Bible says that when the righteous flourish, the city's happy. There's a verse in Proverbs. When the righteous flourish, the city is happy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it is more blessed to give than to receive. The person who has grace vision can see that. They see, wow, here's an opportunity to sow. But I've got a need. But you sow because they know there's a greater blessing in sowing than there is in receiving. Why? Because when I sow, God will bless me. God will, will bless the endeavor that He's put before me and I'll have good success. I don't have to, it, I don't have to depend 100% on my finances to be a success. My finances are going to play a part, but that's not going to be the biggest part. The biggest part is going to be my fellowship with the Lord and putting Him first. So that my health and my finances and all the other things that are part of bringing me to a place of success, they could be blessed. Hallelujah. But they all need to be put in that right perspective. Let me just close because I've kind of run out of uh, time to quickly share with you that there's a difference between purpose and goals. Good success involves aligning your goals and your purpose. A purpose has to do with your being. A goal has to do with your doing. A purpose is what you are. And a goal is what you do about what you are or with what you are. So purpose is being a glory to Christ. And goals are doing what glorifies Christ. And uh, to give you an example of that, in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says we are predestined, being predestined, says we have an obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be 
to the praise of His glory. So in this sentence, the Lord is simply saying, God has given us an inheritance in Christ, and we are being predestined according to His purpose. So God has a purpose that we should be, we should exist to the praise of His glory. So you can see purpose has to do with being. What are you being? Not what are you doing, but what are you being? What kind of a purpose, I mean, what kind of a purpose drives your life? Because that is oftentimes the, per the person you are. If you ever want to know, how do people see me? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever thought that thought? That's a healthy thought to have. How do I come across to other people? How do they see me? I love those little things you see on Facebook, how I see myself, how my friends see me, how the public sees me, how God sees me, what I really am. You know, those different pictures. They're, they're really funny when you see them. I wonder, how do you see yourself? Would you like to know how other people see you? How do you come across? Not that how other people see you is everything that, that should matter to you, but sometimes a little balance between how you see yourself and how you demonstrate yourself to others, you might be surprised sometimes. The Bible says we should be to the praise of His glory. Sometimes in your striving to be successful or to do things, are you losing your being in your doing? Are you losing your purpose in your goals? Sometimes we get so uh, um, fixated upon our goals, we lose sight of our purpose and we stop being the person we should be. We need to stop and go back and recapture being that person that we should be. Um, I'm going to share a few of these examples with you next week, but let me give you um, let me give you a list of goal alignment, aligning your goals with your purpose. Here are a couple of the things as we close that are good examples of goal alignment, aligning your goals with your purpose. Number one would be walking with God, knowing and doing His will. That's a good purpose that you could align your goals with. That basic purpose, what is my purpose? To walk with God, to know and to do His will. Another one would be overcoming the world and being a better person. I came up with this saying one time and um, I had to think about it for a while. I didn't know how entirely fair it was, but I'll share it with you anyway. Uh, if you want a better life, be a better person. Think about it. I know a lot of people that complain about the life they've got, but it never occurs to them they might want to try being a better person. I don't know. You think about it. So that to me would be a, a, purpose, a purpose in life. That would be something that would be, be purposeful. That has to do with my being. Overcoming the world, being a better person. Here's another one. Being a faithful blessing to my family and to my community. That's a great purpose that you can fit your goals into. Do your goals fit into these things? Whatever you're thinking about right now that are your goals, what are your goals? When you go home today, what are your goals? Your immediate goals, your long-term goals? I know you might be thinking, I don't know if I have goals. Trust me, you do. 
You do. They may be passive, and you need to go out and get yourself some, some deliberate, aggressive goals. You may not have been, you may not have spent some time really identifying important goals, so you might need to do that. But you've got goals. You're pursuing goals of some kind. Are your goals, do they fit within the, the purpose of walking with God and doing His will? The goals that you're presently pursuing, do they involve the purpose of overcoming the world and being a better person? Do the goals you're, you're per, presently putting your time and energy in involve being a better, uh, a faithful blessing to your family and to your community? Here's another one. Um, inspiring and leading others to Jesus. That's a great purpose, to inspire others to know the Lord and to lead them through my life to, to know Jesus and to follow Him. Are my goals that I'm pouring my efforts and energies into, are they, do they help that to happen? And for a final one, you don't hear this much in church anymore today, but it really belongs here because it's certainly not ever going to be brought up out there anywhere. And that is the purpose of being with Jesus when this life is over. Am I going to be with Jesus when this life is over? If I've received Him as Lord, then I intend to be with Him. He's going to bring me to Himself when this life is over. That's one of my purposes. So are my goals in line with that purpose? Because I am going to be with Him when this life is over, I want the goals that I have spent so much time and energy in, in pursuing, I want them to be ones that He'll be proud of. That He'll put His hand around my shoulder and say, Well done. Well done. I know that it was miserable some of those times that you had to, you know, take care of those people or love on your family or make those sacrifices. But they made a difference. And it was a blessing <clears throat> to others and it helped you to be successful. You know, there are a lot of things you do that you might not think that the Lord's really excited about, but He is. You might think, this is so menial, anybody could do this. I mean, for heaven's sake, a cat could do it. But there are things that you do that are really important, that, that God really does appreciate. Then there's some things that we think are so important, and they really, the Lord doesn't care a whole lot about them. But He cares about you. He loves you and He cares about you. So when this life is over, we want the Lord to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were successful. I want good success. Good success to me will be Jesus throwing His arm around my shoulder going, well done. You know, I'm going to be there. I just don't want to have the situation where He kind of pats me on the shoulder saying, well, you know, welcome here. <laughs> you know, you had a lot of opportunity and you had a big, you had a lot of fun down there. I, it makes me, it makes me sad to think, though, that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be there with the Lord and they didn't have a lot of fun in life. Life was hard for them, but they made it harder than it needed to be. And because they chased goals that did not lead to good success, they got all involved with things that ultimately really didn't matter. And they, they're saved, and they're going to be with Jesus. And when they stand before Him, at least all of that will be over with. 
but it really is not good success. And God wants you to have good success. He wants it all to matter. It, he wants it all to count for something. And it's just sad when I think that there will be a lot of Christians that will stand before the Lord and their labors will be done and they'll be happy. But the Bible says that he will wipe away their tears. And I think to myself, why are people going to go to heaven and then start crying? Why are there going to be tears in heaven? When Eric Clapton wrote his song, Tears in Heaven, he was being scriptural. There are going to be tears, Revelation says. There'll be great weeping and tears. Where are those tears going to come from? I think it's people who realize, I'm so glad to be here and the toil's over with, but my life was not one that generated a lot of good success. I was successful at things that now that I'm here, they don't matter. Listen, people. There are things you do now that are going to matter in heaven. Don't think that this life will not matter. It will. Because the Bible says your works and mine can be gold and silver and precious stones, or they can be wood, hay, and stubble. Those precious metals, precious gems represent works and things in this life that are going to matter for all of eternity. They're going to count. The times you stooped down and took time to lift somebody up who needed help, to love somebody that God put under your care. The times you sacrificed to, to, to put your family first and to, and to maintain peace in your home. You don't think that matters, but it matters eternally. It matters to God. Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. They shall inherit the earth. So they matter. And so when we stand before the Lord, God wants you to have a life that's filled with good success. Success that you're going to be really happy in. I don't know what those rewards are going to be, but there's going to be an eternity full of rewards for good success. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Of course, being there is just going to be a huge reward. Being there is going to... So I, I, I think it's good that at least 30% of our vision should be focused on this. I've been saved for a lot of years, and I have to tell you, I still, and I, I got saved here in Clearwater a lot of years ago. And I've been around, and I've gone all over the place, and I'm back here again, and I have to say that still to this day, a lot of my vision is beyond the horizon. I'm still living like one day I'm going to stand before Jesus. A lot of what I do today in denying myself, taking my cross, is because I'm looking ahead to that vision. I don't want to do things today that are going to hinder that result. I want to have good success. Praise the Lord. Close your Bibles. Let's stand together. This is Memorial Day weekend, and um, I guess tomorrow's the day, the, the 25th, that they're uh, celebrating Memorial Day. And on Memorial Day, we memorialize and we remember the men and women who, way too young in life, laid their lives down um, in defense of their nation and gave up their lives, and I guarantee you, uh, Probably 100% of the time it was not willingly, but it's the funny thing about people who end up being celebrated on a day like Memorial Day. It wasn't willing, but it was willing. 
You know, every single person that died in the service of their country, they were willing, but they didn't want it to happen. It really is kind of a, it, it is, it's kind of a funny paradox, isn't it? It's called risking yourself in things that matter. When I put myself in harm's way for the gospel's sake, I don't want to die, but I know I'm prepared to. If it happens, I wouldn't want it to happen. I don't want to leave my wife a widow, my children without. I don't want to leave church without a pastor, although I, you could easily replace me pretty quickly, I'm sure. But the idea is, the idea is that these are people who have laid their lives down pursuing things that mattered. And so our nation sets this day aside on Memorial Day, not not just to have hot dogs and a picnic and everything, and that, that's always, I enjoy that just like you do. But for us to remember what's good, what's important. Now, I know I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about, you know, natural things, human things. Um, but the principle is the same. In life, we have to elevate our vision and remember what's good. Now, the, Obviously, there are a lot of people that don't appreciate the sacrifice that, that servicemen and women have made that laid their lives down. They've got, they've got however wrong-headed and, and twisted and perverted it may be, they've got their ideologies and reasons why they, they don't appreciate that and they despise it. And that's fine. There's always going to be, until the Lord opens their eyes, that's the way they say, there were plenty of areas where I was blind, you were blind, and... Uh, the Lord has to open our eyes in those areas. But most people look at those things and they, they, they use the word hero. And I guarantee you that most of those people in, in those graves uh, don't think of themselves as heroes. Don't, if, they, if they look back on what they did, they don't think about what they did as being heroic. Some of them just stood up at the wrong time, didn't keep their head down or, or whatever the, the case may be. They may not think of a heroic act. But we think of it as heroic because... We think of people who laid down their life to do something that's bigger and greater, something that's, that's immediate, that has to be done right now. And who's going to do it? I'm going to do it. You know, when the rains were pouring yesterday and our equipment was being rained on, I saw these guys, Glenn and Glenn Landreth and David and, and uh, uh, Jacob and all. And I mean, they were two hours out there like wet rats being rained on. It, it reminded me of Africa, Terry. It did, without a shelter to get under. And they were, it was just pouring. I'm trying to hold those tarps down and the wind blowing. It was, it was pathetic. It was really funny. I liked it because I liked seeing them have to go through all that. Um, but then again, I'm just sort of perverted that way. But, you know, I thought, there you go. It's people that step up. And, and pay that price, you know, when it needs to be done. And it can be done in big ways and little ways. So our altar call this morning, in light of Memorial Day and, and all of this stuff, is Lord, lift up our vision. Help us to see it in your life, in the path that you're on. Help me to see those good purposes and those good goals that will lead to good success. Next week we'll continue this, but remember that God said to Joshua, and He says to us, this Word of God, keep it in the midst of your heart. Look upon it, because if you follow it, then you will have good success and prosper in the way that you'll go. 
Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you and praise you that Jesus has put before us the perfect vision. And that it's not just your image, but it is your very presence that is here with us. I believe, Father, your hand is upon our shoulder, pointing with your other hand ahead of us, saying, look upon my son. He loves you. I love you. And giving us that vision. Do it for each and every one here this morning. I thank you. I praise you. I ask you to bless your people in Jesus' name. Now, if you would, everybody, lift your hands up. Prepare to be blessed. May the Lord cause His countenance, the fiery, all-consuming love that emanates from His very presence as He smiles upon you. May that countenance shine upon you and fill you and shine out of you as you go. Be the light of the world. Healing is flowing in you and healing is flowing through you. Deliverance is flowing in you and deliverance is flowing out of you. Lord, shine through them. Be blessed, super blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. God bless you, everybody.